Welcome to Money Metaphors, exploring financial concepts through stories and analogies with Jason Coddington from Coddington Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, we help families and small business owners like you navigate the world of finance. Our goal? To help you stress less and enjoy life more, all while leaving a lasting legacy. Join us for this journey where we explore the nuances of goal-based asset management, retirement, and estate planning strategies as Jason and his team draw from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the puzzle of effective financial management. Hello, and welcome to Money Metaphors with Jason Coddington. Jason, good to be with you again. We got an unusual topic on the table today. I say unusual because not a lot of financial advisors are talking about this these days. Yeah, we're going to delve into bonds, you know. Bonds. Uh, bonds, yes. Bonds uh bonds can be boring for some because, you know, they uh but they have a place in uh most portfolios and we're going to talk about some the good, the bad, the ugly of bonds if you will. Some we'll do a little refresher on the characteristics of bonds, and then we'll talk about the unique opportunity that presents themselves based on the current economic environment for bonds. And so, yeah, well, it, it's uh, been a long, long time since I I had a discussion on bonds or heard really, you know, any financial advisor talk about bonds. Yeah, and equities equities get all the fun, uh, <laughs> you know, because yes. they, they they go up and down, and, and you know they're. They're a little bit more sexy, <laughs> if you will. I mean, they're more they, sexy, but they're also like I, I, I candidly will say they're more understandable. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and equities, and I think I heard Warren Buffett say this the other day, and I don't know where he spoke. I mean, this wasn't like he said it yesterday, but it was recorded, and he was in front of a class of students, and he said bonds and stocks are the same in the sense that they both produce cash. And I thought, you know what? That's they do both bonds and stocks both produce cash. It's where that cash goes and what's done with it that makes you know sense. And of course, Buffett was talking about the value of intrinsic value in a company, yeah. where you know future cash flows discounted in today's value. You know, bonds are a little bit different than that, but nonetheless, they do have that in common. You know, I think today, you know, they're really they're they're used to complement each other, but Again, stocks are primarily for, you know, if you have a longer term time horizon, we want to talk about that. You know, bonds are used in portfolios typically to reduce risk, used for shorter term time frames, you know, not like two years, but anywhere for that, that right in the middle of that five to seven years. So, you know, if you have a eighth grader wanting to go to school in about five years to college, you know, bonds make a, you know, a, a good place for that. And then, you know, for the longest time, bonds haven't presented a place to have a return. You know, they have for the last, 15 to 20 years, interest rates on bonds, the 10 year treasury, for example, has been, you know, two and 3%. So people are like, well, I don't know if I want to lock up my money for 10 years for two or 3%, you know, yeah. and uh, that's changed a little bit. Now you're getting, you're getting that rate in the 5% uh, range and higher. And, you know, I think where, where it makes sense is we just have to have a conversation about, let's talk about bonds. Do they have a, do they have a place? And, this this unique environment we're in. You know, we, we're coming off of uh, the last two years of probably one of the most aggressive rate hike increases by the the Fed, the yeah. Open Market Committee. Uh, you know, to try and slow down the economy. You know, with COVID, they 
injected a lot of capital into the markets to get the economy going. And then it started going pretty well. And then they now have to slow it down. And that's why they raised rates. And so because of that, we're, uh, you know, in 2022, bond values took a big hit. But going forward, uh, if you're diligent, they can they can have a place. So we want to talk about that today in today's conversation. Yeah. How do you do? Well, let's, let's start with a question for me that I ask myself all of the time. Like, yeah. Like where does a where you know I, I I will admit I'm a I'm a heavily equity biased guy okay I'm gonna put that on the table front in front of you so you 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 now have to convince me that I should add bonds to that portfolio like why why would I do it and 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 uh, and how would how would it work in terms of I'm used to buying a stock right. And and I can I can either buy it and hold it, or I can buy it and set up an exit point, saying after I gain whatever, let's say ten percent, just for the heck of it, I'll sell the stock. Right? How do I how do I play with bonds? Well, maybe I need a refresher course in bonds and why why they're important. Yeah, well, I think maybe this. Let's just take a look at it. Do you play golf? I do occasionally, really badly. Yeah, like me. Yeah, I'm not very good either. I think it's every situation is different. Like in golf. Your next shot depends on where you are in the fairway. If you happen to just be lucky enough to hit it in the fairway, um, <laughs> exactly. So we'll kind of use we'll kind of go down that road a little bit. But first, just to let's give some characteristics of bonds. Okay? okay. So first off, there's yield. So every bond is you know you're basically taking your money and you're giving it to someone else. And this and well, if we use government bonds for example, you're going to give it to the federal government and they're going to pay you a certain rate of return for a very specific amount of time. There's two components. So one is yield. What are they paying you, you know, per year and you can receive it. It's the annual percentage rate if you're or the annual percentage yield. And then it's, you know, do you get paid monthly? Do you get paid quarterly? Do you get paid annually? Those are all different choices. The next step is when does it mature? So how long is the bond? So is it, you know, a one year, is it 10 year? Um, mm-hmm. Then it comes down to, I mentioned government, but it comes to the issuer. So you could have a government bond issued by the federal government. Uh, you could have a municipal bond. That's typically where you find these or, you know, if you belong to a community that is, you know, growing and developing schools, anytime there's improvements on schools, they issue what's called municipal bonds uh, to yep. raise funds. There's also corporate bonds. Those are, you know, if you mention equities, right? So we'll pick on Ford. So if Ford can raise capital by, you know, you know, stock, and they can also raise capital by offering ca- offering a loan. If someone wants to, you know, give forward their money, get paid a rate of return, and then have that mature, so that would be a corporate bond. You know, based on all of that, and there are some bonds out there called zero coupons that don't pay anything. Um, you're just, and those are ones we probably won't talk a lot about today, but they exist just so to make you know make light of that or make note of that. And then zero zero coupon meaning they don't pay until they don't, they're fully mature. They fully mature. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then, then the last is the quality. So there's this mm-hmm. thing called investment grade, which are, you know, there's, there's different rating services, standard and pours uh, is a rating service. Moody's is a rating service. Yeah. Basically, you know, there's triple A rated bonds and that kind of goes from triple A to double A to single A and then triple B. And then anything after double B or less is a would be considered a, a substandard bond or a junk bond. Why does that matter? Because typically the lower the rating on the bond, the higher the interest it's going to pay. That's some background there. So that does that help clear that up on you know a background? Yeah. So so if bond. I want to buy 
let's just stay with Ford just because it's a good example to stick with. Yeah. So I, if I want to buy Ford bonds, I'm assuming Ford is fairly well rated. It's a, probably an investment grade bond that they're offering. That's going to be a yield that would be lower than, say, uh, a, a startup tech company, right. which is issuing bonds and and they don't have the credit rating to lean back on. So they've got to entice investors with a higher percentage yield, right? Is that how that works? Pretty much, real simple. It's it's honestly, you know, it's it's kind of a mortgage in reverse if you think about it. Not a reverse mortgage, but you know, in a mortgage, uh, if you own a home and you or you purchased a home and you used a mortgage, you know, to pay for it, right? You are um, you're the payer, and you're paying someone the interest on that. And so, how the rate of interest which you're charged on your bond depends a lot upon your credit worthiness. Gotcha. So, you know, yeah. you have, if you have a high credit score good character, good credit history, you're going to pay a lower interest rate. And if you've, you know, missed a few payments, or if you've had a bankruptcy in your past, you're probably going to have a lower credit rating. And so um, you're going to charge, be charged more interest. So the same works in bonds, you know, corporate bonds play more than government bonds. So, and then, so if you wanted to look on a scale, if you will, a corporate bond issued by a company that is substandard or junk, if we call it, will pay a higher rate of interest than a government bond issue that's, you know, AAA rated. So those are some things to look at. And of course there's risk, right? I mean, if there's a junk bond, the reason they have that issue uh, or issue that, uh, that uh, rating by S and P or Moody's is because what's the likelihood of them to pay. You should, as an individual demand more. That's just, that that makes total sense. Now, when it comes to, bonds. I mean, how do I add them to a portfolio? What what kind of ways are there to become a bond investor, if you will? Well, and this is a great question because I think this is, um, is, is, there's an important part to this about bonds that's unique. Of course, it happens with stocks, but you know, it's probably more, it, it involves more scrutiny, if you will, in the bond realm, largely because of uh, maturity and principal return. So if you want to go out and buy an individual bond, you are able to do that. You can work with, you know, a firm like ours and go out and purchase a bond, an individual bond. If you want to buy an individual government bond, you can go to the treasury.gov and buy it individually if you would like. Not a problem there. That's one way. But those are individual bonds. So like the, we'll use stay with Ford as an example. If we want to buy a, you know, Ford was issuing some bonds and we wanted to buy Ford, we could go out and buy a Ford bond individually. And as long as Ford can, as long as, you know, you hold that bond until this is what becomes critical about holding individual positions. If you hold that bond to maturity, you're going to get all your principal back. You will have accumulated all the interest and you get your principal back provided, you know, Ford's still in business, right? So now- same thing with a government bond. If you buy a government bond individually, you own that till it's maturity. The government has the ability to print money. So they're likely, even though they're spending money a little bit crazy lately, but they have the ability to pay you. So that's why they're safe and they're investment rated. But you hold that bond to maturity, you get your principal. So, so in both cases- really, So really quickly. So if I buy, I buy a government bond that yields 5%, I'm going to get a 5% return on that investment presuming I hold it all the way to the full maturity of, of, of the note or bond or whatever it might be? Absolutely. Yeah. What if I, well, I don't want to get ahead of you. I just want to make sure I understand it at that. So that's, you have that. And, and here's where it becomes a little bit different. So there, there are thousands of bond mutual funds. 
out there that exist. And so this is the critical piece I think I would like people to understand about investing in bonds. If you own the individual bond, that's a contract between you and the bond issuer. And you know, it's a promise to pay. And if they if they're still around at the end of the term, you're going to get all of your principal back. What changes in a mutual fund is the issuer issues the bond to the bond mutual fund company, not you individually. So that guarantee of principal component goes away. So does that make sense? Now, if the bond issuer holds it all the way to maturity, they're going to get that you know return and that principal, and they'll return it, of course, to its shareholders. But they have the ability to trade and buy those bonds whenever they want. So that's a very important difference between being a bond individual bond holder versus a bond mutual fund holder. And, and that goes also for exchange-traded funds as well. So you can buy an exchange-traded funds that have different bonds in there. And even now today, you can buy specific exchange-traded funds that have specific. But point of, of all of that being is there's just a level of risk that is going up if you go with a bond mutual fund because that principle is not guaranteed. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Because you're not, you're not, it's the contract is between the mutual fund is the issuer and the mutual fund company, not you and the in the company. So we don't see that isn't it shouldn't be a deterrent. We have plenty of clients that have bond mutual funds and they work, but we always like to disclose that to individuals so they know. Well, um, I think it's probably it seems, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems if I'm if I'm buying a bond mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, I'm buying something that acts like a stock rather than something that acts like a bond, really. Well, it's it's going to act like a bond in the sense that it's going to give you yield, you know, and just like a stock mutual fund is a diversified portfolio of multiple stocks, a bond mutual fund is the exact same thing. It's just a diversified portfolio of multiple issues with multiple timeframes yeah. and so in a mutual fund. And so the other thing that's critically different between a bond mutual fund and an individual bond is if you want to get out of your contract, let's say, and you issue, we'll use the government as, for example, you buy a government yeah. bond and you're like, you know what, I've made, I'm making my 5%. I don't want to be involved in this anymore. You can sell it, but you're going to be beholden to what the, the market wants to pay for that bond. And so this will kind of tee up to what we're going to talk about next, which is maturity and yield and this convexity or this inverse relationship that yield and duration have. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the importance of having an individual, the difference between an individual bond and then a, a bond inside of a mutual fund. Right. And so, you know, one of those being principal protection, you know, if you hold the bond with the issuer, you're going to get your money if you hold it because you, the contract is between you and the issuer. If you buy the bond through a mutual fund, the issuer is beholden to the mutual fund company, not you. So there's a little bit less principal protection there. And so because the bond manager has the ability to sell and buy bonds each and every day if they would like. The other thing I wanted to say about bonds, if you want to sell your individual bond before maturity, it's relatively easy to do, but you just need to know that it could be priced more or less depending on the current yield environment of bonds. So right. we're going to talk about that next as we get into you know, this inverse relationship between interest rates and maturity on bonds. So we'll talk about pricing of bonds. Yeah. And a lot of people, we can take this slowly because a lot of people I think are confused by this. I know that when I first started out as a business and financial news journalist, I used to sit there and scratch my head on this one, but there is an inverse relationship 
in the price of a bond versus the interest rate that it charges. The lower the interest rate, weirdly enough, the higher the price. And the higher the interest rate, the lower the price. So let's walk through that one, Jason, if you will, please. Yeah, I, th I think the best way to look at it is, is to look at it in a sense of supply and demand. Okay. Um, so, and I'm going to use, I'll just use the current environment we're, we're in right now, and I'll use relative terms. Currently, interest rates, we'll just use, we'll use that same, we're going to stay with a 5% interest rate, right? So there's this thing card called par value. So par value is when you go to buy a bond, it's like, what does it start at? So par value is, let's say $100. And that par value at $100 is going to pay you a yield of on the bond of 5%. Gotcha. Okay. And that's for a bond that has a 10-year maturity. Now, keep in mind, bonds, uh, we'll use 2022 as a great example um, okay. because it was one of the first times in history that bond returns and stock returns were both negative doubled in double digits in the same time. Yeah, brutal year. Brutally. So why in the yes. world? Why in the world was that? So let's start. So what happened was bonds start. You take that par value, and we'll use a hundred dollars a share, okay, for a par value. And let's say the bonds at those point points in time were paying three percent, okay, and that's that's around where they were. And then all of a sudden, twelve months later, there's new bonds being issued at five percent. So what happens? supply and demand. If you're a bond investor and you're saying, you know what, I think I want to buy a bond and there's one out there that has a maturity in 10 years that's paying 3% and another one paying five, do you really want the one that's paying three? Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Money Metaphors podcast and we're so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to coddingtonwealthadvisors.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. So what you do is you have to discount. You're going to pay a discount for that price because that bond's not, I can go to the open market right now and buy a 5% bond. Why in the world would I go buy one paying three? So you're going to offer less for that price of that bond. Yeah. Uh, so it won't be worth that $100, uh, that par value. It'll be less than that. So that's what happened in 2022. The bond market dropped and the severity of the de decrease, and here's the inverse relationship part. For every, the rule of thumb is for every 1% increase in interest rates, there is the corresponding decrease based upon the maturity. So using that example, let's say a 1% increase in the Fed uh, by the Fed on interest rates that would that would equate to a 10% drop in bond prices. Okay. So you can see, so when they had, so what happened last year? So, and if you had a 20 year bond, that would be a 20% drop in bond prices. So you're still getting the same amount of income. That's what the income doesn't change. Right. So the income doesn't, you're getting the same dollar amount, but the price at which your bond is worth, it's worth less because now the bond that you bought at 3% is competing for ones that are paying 5%. Mm -hmm. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Now, so totally that's what sense. happened. That's what happened in 2022. And the Fed had quite a few interest rate increases. Again, one of the most aggressive interest rate hikes in the past 50 years. 
So you can imagine every time an interest rate, so if the interest rates went up 2% in a year and you have a 10 mature, a 10 year maturity bond, your bond value went, your price went down 20%. No. Still getting the same, you know, and I think here's my, use my little agricultural background. I mean, here, um, mm-hmm. if we're using a dairy cow as an example, I mean, you're yep. still getting the same amount of milk for the for the cow. Just the price of the cow, the value of the cow went down. Makes um, great sense. That's a good analogy. I like that, yeah. actually. So now, here we are at a point where, okay, it appears, again, we don't know for sure, but it appears that the likelihood of interest rates going up are less likely than they were 12 months ago. And it could be, we could be going into what's called an interest rate decreasing environment, Okay. Now, we don't know what the severity or the, you know, there's geopolitical events that can influence all this, but let's hypothetically say, let's go through an example where interest rates decline and you'll see the different scenario. So now imagine you're someone that just bought right now a bond paying 5% and again, a $100 par value. Mm-hmm. And then in a year, there's a 1% decrease in interest rates. So now what happens is because there's a 1% decrease in interest rates, using that inverse relationship between duration, if you will, or maturity and uh, interest rates, the price of your bond will have gone up 10%. Mm. You can see why we're saying, okay, here's the environment we're in regarding bonds is because it's likely, again, we don't know, but it's likely that this environment that we're in is going from a rate increase to eventually a rate decrease. So if you're an investor, you can be quote unquote paid to wait. Not only can you get the interest of the 5%, but you could potentially have the price increase, if you will, because of interest rates declining, because you're going to be owning bonds that are going to be in high demand. Because when you're sitting on a 5% bond and they start, the government starts issuing 3% bonds in two years, your bond is going to be in high demand. Yeah. So- that's kind of the the convexity, if you will, the yield and maturity examples. It's a little convoluted, but I think just think of the teeter-totter. On one side is is yield and the other side is maturity. And when one goes up, the other goes down as it relates to price. So if interest rates go up 1%, your price is going to go down. If it's the other way, if rates go down 1%, prices are going to go up. And so we see the environment where we're headed being where interest rates are going to decline and your price is going to go up. It's unlikely that you're going to have, again, no guarantees. Based on history, it's very, it's not probable that you're going to have an environment where bond values are going to decrease at a, at a rapid pace as much as they did in 2022. So yeah. For those people out there that, you know, maybe you're retired and you're looking to park a little bit of your money just to have a little safety uh, in bonds, which is why they're in there. You're going to have likely less volatility in the bond market in the next few years because of the interest rate environment we're in. So that's good. And and if you're someone that's had, you know, hey, 23 has been a pretty good year in stocks. Maybe I want to take some profits. Like in your particular case, being a, a pro equity guy, I'm also a yep. pro equity guy. But you know, it might be some time to take some, you know, take some profits off the table and park them in a place where they can safely earn, you know, a five percent return with the opportunity to have a price increase over the next two years. So I think that's important. I think what's happened with bonds in the last twelve months is the narrowness, if you will, between the equity risk premium. There's not as much 
the, the phrase I will use is there's not uh, the juice necessarily isn't worth the squeeze in stocks mm. <laughs> as yeah. much as it was as much as it was last year you can imagine or two years ago you know some bonds paying you know two percent well i can go buy the s p 500 and get the dividend of three and a half per you know three to three and a half percent and hope and have more income and have stock market go up again the stock market could also go down but at least you're getting the income which was higher now you know the income if you will from bonds surpasses that of the dividend yield of the you know aggregate S and P five hundred, so uh, they're a little bit more attractive. So that's why we're talking about bonds today, and at least we should you should be looking at them. If you have bonds in your portfolio now, one of the key takeaways today would be to look at that and make sure that you're adding what's called maturity or duration. So buying bonds with longer maturities, longer longer duration. If you're buying a bond mutual fund, you can actually look up a, a bond and it'll give the average weighted maturity or the duration. And so that's how you can tell. So you can look at your current bond portfolio, you look at its duration. And if you want to add more, you can, or of course, you can just buy an individual bond or with corporates or municipals or those kinds of things. That's, you know, add, add, bond, you know, add duration to your existing bond portfolios. And if you don't have bonds, maybe consider, consider adding them. If they have a place again, the, what we want to back up a little bit because a lot of it's all driven by your goals, right? So, yeah. you know, if you're planning to buy a home in two years, money in a money market right now isn't isn't a bad place for it. But if you're looking to buy a second residence, perhaps, and you're saving for that goal in about three to seven years, well, now bonds make make some sense there. Or if you're in your late 70s or early 80s, and you're just trying to protect what you've accumulated your entire life, you know, 5% isn't a bad place with the opportunity for the price to increase. You know, it's all, of course, all gold driven, but we just want to present this unique opportunity in bonds that we haven't seen in almost 20 years. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm, I'm just curious before we wrap this up, do you have like a preference when you're talking with your clients about whether to own EFTs or mutual funds versus individual bonds or is that up to the client? Yeah, I think it, it's up to the client. I mean, we prefer, depends on the risk level of the client as well. So yeah. uh, everybody's different. I I like, you, you know, for those that are really risk adverse, I like the individual bond choice. So um, you hold it to maturity, you buy it, it, you buy that 5% and you just hold it to maturity. Buy it to maturity. Yeah, hold it. But I also, there's some very, and, and it's, and that's a lower cost option. You know, yeah. uh, with the mutual funds, you have their operating expenses you have to be aware of that kind of can eat at your return. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, there are some fund managers out there that focus on bonds specifically and, and do a really good job at it. And they have a ton of analysts and ton of resources. And so it's worth paying for that, that management and that expertise. But at the same time, if I was to choose, if you had to put me in a corner and pick one exchange traded fund versus mutual fund. I would say all in all, all being said and equal, the exchange traded fund is a preference of mine largely because of the lower operating costs associated yeah. with, you know, but lower, lower costs associated with it. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, there's some good managers out there. So, you know, we don't want to let there's value too. So if you know the managers have had some consistent, you know, returns above their benchmark, if you will, what they're comparing against, we don't necessarily not look at them as well. But again, in a corner, lower cost. You know, it's good for that's more money in the client's pocket. Exactly. Well, I never thought I would uh, be in a conversation about bonds anytime soon. So this has been an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's and again, there's plenty of 
plenty of reasons to be in equity. So it doesn't mean we're anti-equity. It just means, you know, it's nice to just revisit the importance. And Well, yeah. And, and you know, as you point out, 2022 was a really, it was a historically bad year and a historically strange year because both went down, both bonds and stocks went down. And bonds have been betraying investors a lot for most of this year, for most of 2023, until the end of 2023, when suddenly we had a rally in stocks and we had a rally in bonds. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that you make the good point that it is time to maybe start having a conversation with your financial advisor about the place that bonds might have in your portfolio, whether it be small or large. And I think, you know, again, and that, uh, you know, you can look back in time in history, you know, if you go back in time, you know, after the financial crisis, using equities as an example, 2008 to 2009, if you could go by the back in time and buy that market bottom, <laughs> in equities, well, you know, you're theoretically, uh, again, historically speaking, I don't know that it's the exact bottom, but you're, it appears that we're treading the bottom in the bond market. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's a unique opportunity. I mean, bonds in my, they should be bought for income. They should be bought for stability, but you were in an environment where you can likely see capital appreciation and that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, again, we would encourage people to, you know, review their portfolio if they haven't rebalanced because of the stock market going up this year, now might be a good time. And uh, if you have any questions from us, of course, you know, call us and let us know. We can give you, you know, give you some guidance on what might make the most well, sense. That seems like a really great invitation and a chance for me to ask people who want to get in touch with you. How do they do that? Yeah. So the best is uh, you can call us 559-897-0040. We can hop on a phone conversation and you know talk it through with you. Go to our website. You can book an appointment there. There's a little button in the top right-hand corner. And in uh, this podcast, there's going to be some resources and some show notes that you can uh, grab a hold of that will give you some additional resources on bonds and understanding their importance. Fantastic. Thank you, Jason. Thank All you right. for bring, bringing up an ancient topic, as it were, <laughs> in the market. <Yeah. laughs> you know, just before we go, I, I, have to, I have to point out, because I've been thinking about this, when people think about investments, they think about equities, you know, and, and they often hear that it should be balanced with bonds. I don't think people have a good understanding, though, that the bond market dwarfs the equity market. The hundreds of millions of dollars that are traded in bonds on a daily basis dwarf what happens in the stock market. And so it, 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 we can make jokes about, you know, it's been easy to ignore, but this is, in a lot of ways, that big giant investment sitting over there in the corner that people maybe ought to pay attention to finally. Might be yeah. time. Might yeah, be time. I think it's, it has a place. Just make sure it's in, we just want an alignment with the goals and you know objectives, and I think it'll make sense. Very good. Well, thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. For those of you who are listening to this podcast and who are not yet a subscriber, this is really easy. This doesn't even cost you a phone call or anything else. Hit the subscribe button. Then you don't miss another podcast. It's it's there for you every time Jason comes out with a new one. We also would ask that if you like this podcast, give it a rating and share it with friends of yours. Spread the word about what Jason's doing here. That'd be great. Thank you so much. On behalf of Jason and everybody at Coddington Wealth, I'm Bill Tucker reminding you to do not wait. Go out and live your best life today. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Money Metaphors, exploring financial concepts through stories and analogies. Visit our website at www.coddingtonwealthadvisors.com or give us a call at 559-897-0040. Don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available.